0: Hi, guys. Quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So, our podcast is called Right and Wrong. <laughs> Are these are your notes these are these your notes about what we're going to say uh, anything Just a short answer so how many novels did you not finish oh my Prime? god so many <laughs> it was perfect What's she talking about this is not a Ooh, a spicy question I love it <laughs> this is it the big secret to getting published you have to write a good book I was, <laughs> you had it here first we're going to <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong Podcast. I'm Jamie, and today I'm joined by someone once again who works on both sides of the Publishing Curtain. It's author and publishing manager Beth Lewis. Hi what hi the show?
1: thank you so much for having me
0: now there's I mean there's a lot I want to get into um <laughs> here because you have a really good sort of uh, view of the the industry from where you're positioned. but let's start with your work, your writing and your books um Your last release, The Origins of Iris, is that right, Mm -hmm, last year? That's right, yeah. And before that, Bitter Sun and The Wolf Road. So three books out. Yeah, that's right. Are they all literary thrillers?
1: Um, Yes, I think that is the label they have been given. But (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because they are a little bit hard to categorise. Okay. The Wolf Road was my debut, and um, it is essentially a post-apocalyptic western. Yeah, um, and about a, a serial killer, a girl raised by a serial killer in in this, you know, horrible, difficult world to live in, and it's all about mm. her. So nice and cheery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Bitter Sun then is a, a sort of stand by me um more straight i suppose literary thriller of of four kids in the 70s in the midwest they find a body um in their sort of where they play you know um and they set about trying to solve this murder because nobody else seems to care and you know bad things happen as they do um and then the origins virus, which came out in hardback last year and in paperback a couple of weeks ago in end of May, um, that one is uh, about a woman who flees her abusive wife, um, and she she escapes into this into the wilderness, kind of holds up in a cabin in the in the Catskills, and meets another version of herself who has made different choices in life but has still ended up in that same place and they kind of have to figure out what's going on um Mm. so that's a bit more of a speculative edge to it so they're all a little bit different yeah which my publishers love Um,
0: (laughs) really that's interesting because i would have thought (laughs) publishers would like their authors to sort of stay on brand
1: oh yeah they do they do i was being very sarcastic in Um. that point (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. I
0: gotcha, I gotcha. You, got you. But I mean, the writing style is similar throughout yes, and the, yes. the weight of it, I would say is kind of, they're all quite serious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. They're all written in first person. They're all, um, quite tight stories. Um, they, they focus very much on character and mm-hmm. voice and they're all very distinctive in their voice. But I think what my, I think you could probably tell if, that they're written by me. Right, if yeah, makes if you've sense, read you know? one, you reconnect it Yeah, you'd it's hope like, so. Oh,
0: this is very much Beth Lewis. That's the plan, yeah, that well, That's would be... great, that's what you want though, right? To have that distinctive voice and writing style. Absolutely, anything. Yeah. absolutely. And it's funny, uh, I noticed that you said that that's what they have been labeled, literary thrillers. So when you were writing them, did you, mm. you didn't in your mind think, oh, I'm writing literary thrillers.
1: I don't think I've ever written a thriller because <laughs> okay. I think thrillers are um a very particular genre. Mm-hmm. They they are usually quite fast paced. They've got similar beats. They um often have a chase of some description and yes. they they hit the same story points um which is what readers expect and what readers love um but i my books are quite slow burns you know they're they're dark and they're moody and they're about they're about the characters really they're not about sort of fast-paced plots um they're about the characters finding themselves and coming of age and figuring out what's going on in their lives and, and coming to terms with it so it's yeah. I think they yeah. like they like putting a thriller name on it because, you know, it you could say there are elements of thriller in this in, mm-hmm. but um I would not not necessarily agree with that.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. More like a sort of Cormac McCarthy.
1: Yeah. Like, the Wolf Love Road something. was was compared to the Road quite a lot and Blood Meridian as well. Um wow. so
0: it's You've got to be happy with that though.
1: It was pretty cool, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, do you know what though? I've I never read any Cormac McCarthy until after I'd written that book because people were saying so. That's kind of great
0: um, though. That, that you yeah, haven't read them before. And then... most
1: of the times when my books get compared to other books, I'm like, I've never read that.
0: Um, <laughs> so, and is there a part of you that's like, oh my god, is it going to be exactly the same? <laughs>
1: yes, completely. I was really scared because everyone with with Wolfram in particular, people were, were comparing it to True Grit um wow as well so it was like true great meets the road or blood meridian or something like that. i'm like never read them never seen the movies um <laughs> cool <laughs> i better go and do that then
0: those i mean if your you know debut novel comes out and you're, those are the comparisons that you're getting that is high praise I would it was say. very cool it was mm. a
1: very fun time
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of so the wolf road was mm. your debut yes how much had you written And how long had you been writing sort of prior to The Wolf Road being signed and put out?
1: Um, Oh, I mean, I'd been writing since I was a kid, but seriously, I probably, I started being like, I need to write novels um, and become a novelist when I was at university. So about 21, um, I was like, right, I'm going to write a novel, I'm going to finish it. um, And then I'm going to try and get it published. And obviously the first one was rubbish. (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, I don't remember what it was about now. And then I was like, oh, that's not got anywhere. I'll write another one and then another one. So I think I wrote five full novels in about six years. Um, And then I wrote Wolf Road. And then that just Went boom, so overnight success that took about
0: eight, <laughs> eight years <laughs> to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah, they, yeah. Overnight success does take many years to have Oh yeah, completely. But yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's that's maybe on the on the the higher end of the scale. But everyone, I think, so many people have to write two or three mm-hmm. sort of full length novels before they before they they get it. And I think often people that don't have done it in a form where it's um they've rewritten one or two yes. so many times that they've learned those skills
1: yeah I think so I think there's this old adage that you need to write a million words before you are ready to be published and that's crap um but <laughs> it's it's quite a useful I suppose benchmark I think I probably got to about 500,000 before I got published um mm. but it's yeah, there are some writers that that will rewrite the same book. Um, and I fully respect that, but I yeah. get bored um and I feel like I don't want to go back and edit and edit and edit and edit. I'd rather just write something new.
0: Yeah, and, and... you can always come back to the older ideas and then sort of rewrite them. And, and...
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so I mean, so you'd written five books before you wrote Wolf Road. Mm-hmm. I know that you've got another one on the way coming I out. I um, Twenty
1: twenty four. Twenty twenty three. I put the wrong. Well, put the wrong year on my Twitter profile. Oh. <laughs> and then like, oh, hurriedly corrected it, it. No, no, you didn't. You didn't. I just typo. No, because I. Because I also work in publishing, everything is a year ahead. So I'm already thinking it's twenty twenty three. Oh. But it's not. Okay. It's it's twenty twenty two. So yeah, it's coming out next year. I'm not quite sure when. Probably early summer. Um late spring.
0: And it's called Children of the Sun, but it no is. no relation to Bitter Sun.
1: No. Okay. Well what? there there is a character that pops up briefly. Okay. So okay, more of an Easter cool. egg than a anything plot related.
0: Oh okay. Sure, sure, sure. So five, six, seven, eight. Mm. This is the kind of the ninth story that you've you've um. written. <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> I've also written another one. Oh, okay. Is, um, somewhere else. So, Lots there's in the works. Ones, yeah, I think we're on. I think that. One, yeah, that one must have been book ten. But oh, I wow. wrote Children of the Sun before I wrote Origins of Iris, um, and it sat for a while. So it's not always the next book that gets published. It's, oh, that's interesting. It yeah, these two swapped around. So I, yeah, I wrote, I wrote Children of the Sun before, before Iris and after Bitter Sun. It's all very confusing. It's been very strange, very strange <laughs> five years. Right? It really is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. So has Children of the Sun, did you write it and then go through all of these sort of developmental edits and, and kind of refining of that or well, just draft?
1: Well, there's a fun story about that. Um, <laughs> So when I, when I got my first agent for Wolf Road and Bitter Sun, that Mm -hmm. was all great. Um, And then I wrote Children's Sun, which had a different name. So I'm always having to think about it was was this new, new book, Children's Sun. Um, uh, That was not quite working for my agent at the time. And we talked about it a lot. So I, you know, I'd done a couple of rewrites on it and it still wasn't working. And then. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm knackered. I've spent so many years just writing, writing, writing. Um, I need a break. So I said to him that I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break on this, and I'm going to write something else. And so I just started writing the Origins of Iris, which was a, a kind of a passion book for me at the time. And I, I didn't really expect it to go anywhere. I just wanted to to write something back in the woods, which is a bit of an odd thing. I just wanted to write something set in the wilderness again because that's where my my heart lies.
0: Um,
1: And then my agent didn't like it, which was hard, but I believed in the book very, very strongly. Mm -hmm. So I parted ways with my agent very amicably and I found a new agent about six weeks after my daughter was born, and she sold Origins Virus and Children of the son. so it was a bit of an odd back and forth journey between those two books. Yeah. Of, of, but you know, it's it's finding the right home and the right person to to push them and to feel passionate about them. And um, the agent I have now is extremely passionate about this direction that I want to take my. My books in a, a more speculative, weird genre-defying route, which is is really fun.
0: Yeah, that's great. A sort of um, two steps forward, one step back. Yes, kind of thing. And and your yeah. current agent is um, Jemima Forrester at Den that's Hale, right. right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Amazing. Mm. So lots of books in the <laughs> works and out, and we'll put some that might not ever see the light of day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> does it get Easier the more you write?
1: Um, oh, the writing does, I think. Mm. Um for me in particular, it it does get easier. The craft of it that you you get into a rhythm, you you know how you work best when you've written so much. Mm. Um, though I it does change. I don't know if you found that if you in your writing that you, if something the way that you worked five years ago is not the way you work now. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah it's weird, isn't it? It just like I used to never be able to write to music now, I can't write without music um, <laughs> and it's yeah, it's it changes, but i'm I feel confident now that I can start and finish a novel that I don't have unfinished novels lying around um
0: yeah, you, you <laughs> I mean you gain a self efficacy of just doing something many times you know that you will finish this novel that it's not i mean whenever anyone writes their first novel i think the greatest achievement is simply finishing it
1: yes completely and i think that if anybody is serious about wanting to be a professional published author you can't do that with unfinished novels yeah you, know, you, mm-hmm. you need to be able to have the discipline to finish them and i was i remember thinking to myself when i was like 21 in my in my uni digs like I need to finish this novel because I can't sell
0: an unfinished novel. <laughs> Indeed. Well, the thing that um one one of my friends, Naomi always says is uh, you can't edit a blank page. Mm. So, you know, that's why people do the 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 vomit draft, the first draft, just like put whatever you want on the page. Because once you've got it, you can edit it. Yes. And and really yeah. most books come together, I think, in the editing phase.
1: Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. It's also the most fun in a way because it, well, mm-hmm. it <laughs> depends what the edits well, are, I suppose. Backtrack <laughs> on that one. No, it is it is fun. I think when the edits, you agree with them and they work and it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. And mm. this is really fun to be back in this world and with this character after a break. And, you know, it can, it can be really fun.
0: Yeah. Um, the thing I always hear that gets people really excited is when they, when they meet their editor or they just speak to their editor for the first time about a new book and they get to talk to someone else about the world and the characters and the thing that's that's going on in the same sort of energy that, that, that it's going on in their heads.
1: Yeah. And it's yeah, it's magical, that part of it, really. Yeah. And then getting it all down and figuring out all what happens. And yeah, that's,
0: that's one of the best parts. So you mentioned that as time's gone on, you've sort of changed the way you write, the things like that. Do you have a mm-hmm. kind of like, Mm, like a a structure for when you come to write a new book, like a ritual or rituals that you follow now?
1: Um, I tend to not plot anything, Uh
0: um,
1: which probably shows, but I don't, I I like discovering the story along with the character, which sounds really like pretentious, um, (laughs) but you know, the characters just do their own thing and they kind of do. But I think I, I like to – I usually have a half a dozen ideas of what I want to write next and figure out which one is really sort of pulling at me or which one is potentially the most commercial or, you know, has the most –
0: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.
1: ...to it. Yeah. Um, and then I'll find an opening scene and I'll just start writing. And it'll be sitting in a cafe with a laptop, just... Plotting it out a little bit, you know, the first scene, the first act, and then going from there. I think I like, I love a hero's journey. That's my favorite structure of anything, you know, the sort of classic hero's journey. Um, and I do like Save the Cat as a plot structure. Yeah, that one's it's nice guideline. and easy it's really easy to mm. just be oh yeah no you're, you're right that it does go there and you know can move it about and i think i i respect anyone who can sit down and plot out a whole novel because i just yeah. don't know how to do that yeah <laughs> it's like how do you know what happens <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and then my, my friends who are plotters are like how could you possibly not plot this are you insane
1: <laughs> i i I am friends with an awful lot of crime writers and they have okay. to plot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, So it's, I'm like, I don't, they're like, oh, I've just done this outline for this new book and it's 30,000 words long. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but now you know what happens. So where's the fun in writing? But, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I get that. But um, okay. I mean, very important question. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you do listen to music, what kind of music do you listen to when you're writing? <sighs>
1: It depends on the story completely. It okay. has to be instrumental. Yeah, I I wrote one particular book where I listened to the, this is random, but the Hannibal movie soundtrack um, the, because the, it so has the sequel to Silence of the Lambs. Yes, okay, not the best film in the world, let's be honest. No but, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is brilliant, but yeah, you know, amazing. yes, it's Hannibal was fine. Yeah. But the soundtrack was really good because it was half set in Florence. So it had this right, this yeah. very operatic soundtrack. And the, uh-huh. that really matched the vibe that I was going for with this book. Um, with The Origins of Iris, it was a lot of soundtracks of um, The Leftovers. And, Is that Max which, Richter? Yeah. I listen to a Max lot of Max Richter. Richter. <laughs> He's just so good.
0: Yeah. And um, he really invokes like a, a, a feel, an emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, Florian Christelle is also a really good one for that. And um Hans Zimmer for anything quite cinematic. Han,
0: yeah, Hans, Hans Zimmer is, I think, in, anyone who listens to instrumental music and writes yeah. at the same time. There's definitely <laughs> at least one Hans Zimmer in their playlist. Yeah, it's,
1: <laughs> those are my go tos.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. um So before we move on to the other side of your work mm-hmm. in publishing, I was looking at your bio on the Hachette <laughs> website. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't know, have you seen this bio? P- I've probably. So I like, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> she has traveled extensively throughout the world and has had close encounters with black bears, killer whales and great white sharks.
1: Mm-hmm. She,
0: she has been at turns a bank cashier fire performer, juggler and is currently publishing manager at Rebellion. Is that yep. all true? Yep, 100%. Gosh. <laughs> what were you doing... <laughs> tackling whales and sharks and bears
1: (laughs) so i went on a couple of uh trips to canada um which is what inspired a lot of wolf road uh so canada had a lot of bears and i spent time in the wilderness in kayaking with uh killer whales and Um... with uh you know running away from black bears (laughs) on beaches gosh Um, okay and then I spent about six weeks working in, after university, working in South Africa on a great white cage diving boat. Wow. Yeah. So that That's was very cool. Job. So did a lot of cage diving with great whites. And yeah, that was, it was very cold, but it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. That was very cool. It was pretty cold. <laughs> yeah. They're very big fish. Um. <laughs> big
0: fish. So, so what about yeah. fire performer and juggler? How my
1: mis- my misspent youth
0: <laughs> doesn't sound misspent to me. <laughs>
1: when when I was uh, between about seventeen and about 22 23 I was um, performing at a lot of festivals. I'm from Cornwall. We grew up a very okay. hippie strange upbringing. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't drink alcohol, so I was like uh, a lot of time was spent on beaches um, around campfires yeah <laughs> i learned juggling and... <laughs> with a bunch of other weird people who okay. are still my friends today and we we went around um performing at festivals and
0: things like that well, so. that's awesome
1: uh, that's pretty fun and, yeah, and now i'm fun. getting
0: a glimpse into e- your origins of iris like living out in the woods and things like mm-hmm. that and i'm assuming yep. a lot taken from your time spent running away from black bears
1: Pretty much, yeah. There is, <laughs> there's not a bear in
0: Iris, but there's lots of bears
1: in Wolf Road. Actually, oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know,
0: They're in there somewhere. So there you go. It comes from personal experience.
1: <laughs> Always <laughs> write what you know. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so, outside of your own writing, you also mm. work as publishing manager at a science fiction fantasy imprint.
1: Yes, I do. I um. Publishing manager is a strange title, but it, I essentially run the day to day of uh, quite successful science fiction fantasy imprint um, of an Oxford based
0: publisher. Um, well, I mean, mm. so what is the the day to day in broad terms?
1: Um, it varies, but it, you know, I I sign off on a lot of contracts. Mm. I check terms. I read submissions, or at least the first sort of. 50 pages or so, um, I don't acquire, but I give my opinion. Okay. Um, and I, you know, it's checking over covers, it's answering queries. It's a lot of people management, you know, I manage a team of a department of around 25 people and we, you know, it's making sure everything's going to print on time and everything is looking good, and it is sort of quality control as well as um, budget. You know, lot of budgets, lot of budget control. Sure, you know, ch- okay. checking in on the marketing and the production and the everything really.
0: So pretty eclectic, a sort of doing everything and making sure everything runs smoothly within the publishing.
1: Yes, essentially.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so, but you are involved in some way with the commissioning side of things
1: yes so i don't actively acquire books so mm. i don't agents don't send me but i mean sometimes they do but i i don't <laughs> take I, I forward them on presently <laughs> okay. um but i yeah i don't actively acquire but i um and acquisitions are always done on committee you know it's never yeah. just one voice but mm-hmm. i do often often make my recommendation and have a sort of, I suppose, a, a, a casting vote on whether or not we would acquire a book or not, or how much we would offer, what kind of terms we would offer, what kind of rights we're looking for, mm-hmm. how that fits into the wider publishing strategy, and how that impacts our scheduling for the next two, three years, you know?
0: Yes. Uh, okay, so you're you're part of the larger committee, I yeah. presume once an editor has decided that they like a submission and then yes. they pitch it to you and the, the rest of the committee?
1: Yes, essentially. they An editor will receive a submission. They will read a chunk of it. If they like it, they will get second reads from other editors and other members of the team, like marketing especially. Um, and then if they all like it, it comes to acquisitions meeting, which is every week and then we talk about it we look at the financials around it we look at sales expectations marketing budgets you know how how pitchable this story is um, to retailers to booksellers and how we can how we would place this how we would publish this so they're quite broad discussions and then based on all of that we decide whether or not it's a book that's right for us you know we we have a criteria of what we want to publish yeah. what kind of book it should be to fit
0: our list um and to fit the schedule the upcoming schedule presumably
1: yes because we we don't publish a huge number of books every mm-hmm. year you know you get some of the big the big boys they will publish you know hundreds of books a year but we're we're more like sort of 40 50 so yeah. and we get an awful lot of submissions yeah and have an awful lot of ongoing series and second books and and things like that so it's it sometimes is a bit of a juggling act because if something is amazing and we love it but the Americans are publishing it next spring but we don't really have a slot then we have to kind of you know jiggle things about so that's that's where that's what I do generally is kind of to jiggle things about to make it work
0: <laughs> job description yeah things about.
1: <laughs> that's what the job ad said when i when i applied <laughs> yeah
0: but well, that's that's really interesting that's that's really yeah. good to know and as as someone with um sort of such a great vantage point uh across the industry from both sides what advice would you give to um anybody aspiring to to become a a published author oh
1: a published author um finish a book for one thing <laughs> that's that's key that's the
0: baseline i think yeah
1: finish a book <laughs> do not pitch to publishers <laughs> find an agent um and i think i th- there's a lot of advice out there that's like create a platform you know people there's this there's this myth going around that publishers won't um won't acquire an author if they don't have a huge Twitter following or a big Instagram following. And that's absolute crap. Mm. Like that kind of thing doesn't matter. What matters is the book. So all you need to do is make sure that the book is as good as possible. And from a purely cynical point of view, that it has a really strong marketing hook and it sits really firmly in a popular genre that's usually you know if something straddles three different genres it's a really hard sell to be perfectly
0: frank yeah Um, especially for if it's a debut
1: yes yeah um unless it has some outstanding uh, literary element to it because when you label something as literary fiction it can kind of get away with anything but even then it has it has its own rules um but I think you, having something sit firmly in one or two genres, and f- making sure it's it's got this nice big marketable hook to it, you know, I think is is really important. Yeah, and because Great you you need to pitch it to to a few different people, you know, you need to pitch it to an agent, and then the agent needs to use that to pitch it to a publisher, and then the publisher needs to use that to pitch it to booksellers and then the booksellers need to use that to pitch it to readers so mm. that pitch has to be so strong that it it carries all the way through that
0: yeah that and that process and as you mentioned before the marketing department are involved in mm-hmm. that pitch so if yeah you know if i'm sure many um great kind of pictures and things get shot down because the marketing department turns around and says, Well, we don't know where to this place this. It doesn't really fit in, in the market.
1: Yep, absolutely. And it's one of those those very sad truths about publishing is that it is a business. And if if the people who are selling the book, marketing and sales, don't think that it it is sellable, it doesn't really matter how amazing the book is or how how much the editor loves it, because if they're not going to sell it, then It's not a, it's not a viable option. Yes. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but. It doesn't make
0: sense for a business to put out the greatest book of all time if nobody's going to read it.
1: Yes. Because if marketing then don't think that it's got legs, they, it won't get a budget behind it, which means it won't be pushed, which means readers won't be able to find it. So it's, it's a horrible, vicious circle sometimes, Yeah, but it's, alas.
0: The way we are at the moment. Indeed. Well, that's mm-hmm. really, really good advice. And that also ties into a lot of stuff that I've spoken with um lots of agents who have been on the podcast and have and have said when you are and and you know, and this this is as early on as the submitting to agents phase. It's like research your genre, research mm-hmm. the market, and make sure that's in your submission.
1: Yes. A lot of agents now ask for comp titles, comparative yeah. titles. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. My favorite way to pitch. That kind of thing is to find two touchstones that are sort of opposing but make an interesting combination. Mm. Um, so, with Origins of Iris, it was I, I pitched it to my agent as wild meets sliding doors. And that mm. has carried through. That's on the Amazon yeah. listings now for it. So, it, and that is it instantly kind of okay, that conjures up a certain feeling in a certain um tone and genre to everybody who sees it um but but
0: be thoughtful obviously if you like those things oh
1: completely (laughs) completely it's not lord of the rings meets the other (laughs) best-selling massive book you know yeah yeah, that's probably a safe bet as well don't don't comp your title to the biggest bestseller in the world and don't comp it to gone girl
0: oh it's (laughs) it's (laughs) (laughs) that one that just always gets (laughs) comped
1: It is well it's like for readers of Gonga. if you were a fan of Gengar okay. if you liked like and it's like
0: oh it's become this this just the one I hear from agents is um, people always submitting and comparing themselves to Stephen King
1: Yeah 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 don't do that don't, don't be pacify. like this is like Harry Potter <laughs> don't we get cuz we obviously we get a lot of science fiction and fantasy yeah. um submissions we get an awful lot right now of of Gideon the Ninth, it's Mm. Gideon the Ninth meets this, it's Gideon the Ninth meets that. And I'm like, I haven't read that. (laughs) So that means very little to me. So that's why I quite like using movies. Yeah, Um, because I think
0: also the the good thing about movies as a cultural touchstone is that even if you haven't seen it, you've seen the trailer, so you understand the concept. Mm -hmm. So in terms of a comp (laughs) pitch, it doesn't really matter if someone hasn't seen the movie, if they've seen the trailer.
1: Exactly. And it also kind of says that your book is a little bit cinematic which
0: is (laughs) always because then there's a potential movie rights involved and exactly exactly business (laughs) (laughs) well that brings us on to the final question which as always is beth if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book which book would you take
1: Do you know what? When when you told me about this question, the first thing that popped into my head was because I've written a book about survival oh, yeah. um stuff, was you know, <laughs> the SAS survival guide, because that would be incredibly <laughs> practical. But then I was like, no, no, that's not that's
0: not the tone of the question. It could be you can talk um, to the tone however you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um I would probably take Cloud Atlas okay. with me. Mainly because it has pretty much every genre. Uh, in it so i would probably never get bored and it's actually one of my favorite books of all time i think it's the book that taught me that i could write what i wanted to write um you know and i could mix genres and i could play around in it i didn't have to stick to one one stable um and it's very very long as well so it would keep me quite busy yeah
0: yeah it it definitely has there's so much in it and there's so much variety (sighs)
1: there's so many layers to it. And every time you read it, there's something a little bit new and, and it's, yeah, it's one of the best books, I think.
0: But it's a great choice.
1: Objectively, one (laughs) of the
0: best (laughs) books. (laughs) You heard it here first, guys. Yeah, it
1: is. And even the film's pretty good, as well.
0: Yeah, uh, complicated, but, but it's, I mean, a perfect book for the desert island situation. Thank you. (laughs) Great choice. Well, thank you so much, Beth. Thanks for coming on and um, sharing your experience with writing and and your work in the industry and telling us a bit about how it all works behind the scenes. It's been really interesting.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been great
0: to talk. And for anyone looking to keep up with everything that beth is doing you can follow her on twitter at beth k lewis on instagram at beth lewis.author uh, or you can head over to her website beth lewis.co.uk to get uh, all of it in one place to so make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast follow us on twitter at right and wrong uk on instagram at right and wrong podcast thanks again uh, beth for coming on and thanks to everybody for listening we will catch you in the next episode Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record, and download your podcast with, and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link, and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show, and we'll see you in the next episode.